I'm going to be in Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, if you have a Bible, you can get it out and follow along with me. If not, you can get your mobile device, your phone, or if that doesn't work, then uh, we'll have the words on the screen for you. I said earlier, we've been in this week, this weekend called Surge. And I, I spoke for a few moments yesterday about revival culture. Had one of the folks here come up to me and say they've been working in Evansville. And on Wednesday night, they've been going to a church there in Evansville because they're not here. And they said that the pastor, there are three different times, three different speakers it spoke about revival coming to Evansville. I think it's kind of cool when, when there's a confirmation of what God's speaking because I just believe this, that God's sending revival to his church. Anybody with me? Because God needs to get what he wants from the church, not what we want. Anybody with me? Because if God gets what he wants, I want to tell you, it'll change. It'll change an atmosphere and environment. And I, I just, I'm thankful this morning as we worship just the environment that we're in uh, makes it easy to preach I'll be honest with you. And so, so I'm titling my message this morning, Full House. If you're taking notes, you can write down Full House. Those of you that play cards, you know where that's at. My daughter, when, when in the, I think it was the 90s, I, I watched more episodes of this show called Full House. And, and, and then the tangent that we went on with, uh, and you know, I didn't, rem I didn't remember the names until I said them in the first service, but, but Mary, uh, Mary Kate and Ashley. Went to Paris, went all kinds of, Australia, I think. I went there with them. I was always looking, like I, like, I like movies with like a Clint Eastwood in them or Charles Bronson. There's some old names right there. But, to, to, but they didn't have any of those in them. It was all just two little girls going on adventures, and I got to watch them. Full House. Well, it's nothing to do really with either one of those, or it could be, depending on how you see it. But uh, I want to talk in a little bit this morning, read out of Luke chapter 14, verse 12. We'll pick it up. Let me, let me kind of preface before we jump in that that this passage has a lot to do with, if you, re, you should read the entire chapter this week, but chapter 14 has a lot to do with meals, with eating together. And, and I think there's something spiritual about that. Anybody with me? There's just something spiritual about sitting down at a meal with people. Maybe you've done it, and, and, and in the, the, the gathering together of the meal, God just uses that time and, and speaks and, and does some things, and, and he will. So in Luke 12, we'll pick it up kind of partway, maybe not a great starting place, but where I felt like the Lord would have a start. It says, then Jesus here also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors, nor your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. So do it with the right motives. Verse 13, but when you give a feast... Invite the poor, invite the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Well, that's pretty good. That, that, you know, we're not doing it for repayment, but there's going to be a reward that's coming uh, when we reach out to those that maybe are marginalized or less fortunate. Verse 15 now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Well, this guy's getting something that maybe others haven't gotten from this. Then Jesus said to him, a certain man, everybody say certain. So sometimes we, we kind of 
relegate some of these stories to, to only a parabolic kind of story. I, I tend to think that this has, is a real story because Jesus says a certain man, certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servants at supper time to say to those who uh, were invited, come for all things are now ready. Don't you love it when it's ready? You can almost smell it, can't you? You, you, you know that when you walk into a room and, it, and dinner's ready, it just does something like you, you, you've gained, you've got calories and you haven't even took, taken a bite yet. It smells so good. You know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm preparing you for after this. Not right now, but after. But all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land. I bought a piece of land, a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. And I ask you to have me Excuse. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them, to prove them, and I ask that you have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master, and then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly. You might underline that right there. Go out quickly into the streets and lanes. There's an urgency here to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, and the lame and the blind. He's making reference to what he just said. And servant, and the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. So you got this, this story here that's been given to us, and we could do a lot with it. There's a lot of places you could dig into, and, and I would encourage you to read it. God will give you insight beyond today. But I, I will, I will kind of land here for a moment. There's, there's three groups that seem to be present. There's, there's the first group that... that um, that this servant is sent out to invite, and he's sent out to invite them. And, and they seem like they're people that he knows. It seems like at least there's some close proximity because he invites them to come, and they all give an excuse. You ever invited somebody to something, they give you an excuse? Anybody with me here, they say yes. Yeah, we, you've done it before. And we don't like excuses. Are you with me? We don't like excuses. Well, I'd come, but my cat's got diarrhea. Or, you know, I don't know what it is. I actually had somebody tell me that one time. I'm like, okay. Just mark this on your notes. That's why I don't have a cat. But cats are okay. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways. Excuses. When I was young, when I was young and a little more emblazoned to just punch people in the face when I preached, I remember preaching a message one time, and I said, don't give us excuses for failure, but examples of success. That's, that's, a, that's a hard one to live up to. So when you preach these things, you got to live up to them. So I had to back off just a little bit as I got a little wiser. But there is some truth in that. You can excuse, 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 because excuses are a way for me not to do something that I should do. And these guys are saying, well, you know, and, and they're lame excuses, First one is, well, I bought a piece of ground. Now, what time, what time, what meal is this? It's not breakfast, is it? It's not lunch. It's supper. When do you eat supper? Come on, talk to me. 
in the evening, right? So I'm going to go check out a piece of ground when it's dark. No, you're not. That's an excuse. Well, I bought five oxen. You know, I got these oxen here, and I'm going to go prove them and test them. Well, wouldn't you have done that before you bought them? And you're going to do it at supper time. Just saying. Just saying. Right? There's a time when the cows come home, and, you know, I think it's kind of late. You're going to go do this? The other guy said, well, and he's, he's, getting, he's getting all lawful on this. Well, I, I've married a wife, and, you know, I got, well, that's not what the law, the law there, there was an arrangement. There was, there was a, a way for you to be married, and it said this, you don't have to engage in war. You don't have to go get involved in business. But it didn't say you couldn't eat supper with friends. Are you with me? So these are lame excuses. And, again, many times the excuses that we and we come up with, or the people give you many times, it's like that. So it seems like these are people that he knows well enough that they just don't want to be there, and, and they've, they've given an excuse. And, and then the second group seems like they're people that are just hurting, wounded, maybe marginalized people. People that are, that, that are there that could have been invited, but were just overlooked. He invited the people that, hey, when you come, hey, man, we've known each other for a long time, having this deal over here, won't you come? No, I can't. Then he goes back, and there's a little bit of of, of anger there because this man, here's what I believe it's about, this man just went to the people that he favored and invited them, and there's a whole group of people that are hurting and that are without and that are, that are marginalized that he didn't even value enough to invite. And then he turns around and looks around, and guess what? There's still room. And so then he says, well, go back out, and you know, scholars would say go to the countryside maybe, and I, I, could, I could go with that, but but he says, go out into the highways and hedges. And it seems like he's just saying, whoever, like, whomever you can get to come, just go invite them. It's almost like it was like, hey, okay, invite your friends. Now you're inviting all the people that are hurting. But, you know, it's like, like that It's like that, that closed event. But now they just posted on Facebook and said, anybody and everybody can come now, right? Everybody can come now. And so, so, so I think understanding that, that there's, a, there's a lot of dynamics here, and we'll deal with some of it, but understanding that, that Jesus is talking about, and the, the guy, the first guy that speaks, well, he gets it. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. And sometimes we have, we have a struggle when we think about God's kingdom. How does it, how does it relate? How does it work? How is it in our life? And, and we sometimes get struggle trying to, trying to explain it. I love what Romans 14, 17 in the KJV says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Some of you are thinking, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, it says this, it's, it's not just about doing normal life, natural life. We do that every day. Like, that is real. That's in the natural world. It's tangible. I can touch it. We see each other. We're here. That's a nat- you do natural life. Let me help you. Everybody, somebody say everybody. Come on, stretch it out. Everybody, everybody on this world is doing natural life. Everybody does. But then for those who know Christ, well, we step through this gateway into the kingdom. That's what salvation is about. Salvation isn't about making you feel guilty and shameful about what you did wrong and trying to hold you there. Salvation is about a door that opens that allows us to walk into the kingdom of light. We were in the kingdom of darkness. We stepped through Jesus into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God, and we get to walk and do life there. So he says this, it's not just the natural world of eating and drinking and doing life, but it's about this, the kingdom is about this idea that, that there's righteousness, 
Let me, let me say it like this. Justice, rightness, if you will, goodness. Some of your Bibles will say goodness. And peace. What is peace? Peace is shalom, meaning nothing lacking. That there's this place where you step into to do life with God, where you walk with Jesus, and there's righteousness and goodness, and there's peace where nothing's lacking, and there's joy that the world can't give you and the world can't take away, and it's all in the Holy Spirit. Right? There's a spiritual realm right now, right now in your life. There's a spiritual realm that exists that is real, that is as authentic as this tangible, touchable world that we're in. I don't know that they're not angels surrounding this whole building. You say, Pastor Pony, or Pastor Pony, Pastor Tony, you sound a little radical. Well, kingdom life is a little radical. Because here's what we're doing. The, the word says it like this, that we're not walking by sight, by what I see, but we're walking by faith. So, so the seeing part is in the natural realm, but, but the unseen, well, that's, a, that's an eternal realm. That's a spiritual realm that happens all around us. I, by the way, I would encourage you, you send your little children, we'll be starting school back here pretty soon. And I don't know who ever thought we should start school in July, but that's a whole other conversation. But we'll be starting school back pretty soon. You'll send your kids off. We'll pray over them that, 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 that God will protect and, and watch over them in the spirit realm. Right? They're going to be physical. There's going to be kids and conversations and all that stuff. But pray that God would just watch over them. And, and guess what? He does and he will. Now, let me help you with understanding the kingdom because you may be still saying, well, I'm still a little lost on what the kingdom is. Well, let me, let me help you with the kingdom. The kingdom is the invisible it's the invisible kingdom of God on this earth. But it's represented by, right, the invisible kingdom of God is, is represented by the visible church, his church on this earth, right? That, 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 that the kingdom in expression is represented by the church. So, so then, so understand this. We've got to understand what, represent, what representing means. Representation is, is a re Presenting. So the kingdom is, is presented, and then the church represents it on this earth. Because you walk, you walk uh, down your, uh, in your neighborhood, or you go to your work tomorrow, or, or you go to school here soon, and you walk through the halls. Well, those, those people in there, they don't know what the kingdom is. And if you said, the kingdom of God has come, you'd freak people out, and they'd, they'd wonder what cult you're in. I'm just telling you. Don't do that. But here's what they don't know. Because you're there, because you, Christ's follower, who is living and breathing and walking in Jesus and in his kingdom, that when you go, the kingdom of God is coming into that place. If you get this, it's powerful. Because you're a representation, visible, physical representation of the kingdom of God on this planet. And let me tell you something. We've got to get that right. I'm talking to people who follow Jesus right now. We need to represent the kingdom correctly on this planet. Not get it wrong. People have seen enough of, of a misrepresentation of God's kingdom through the shortcomings and flaws of the church. We, we need to get it right. And, and I'll help you understand it this way. So talking about a mill here, Jesus thought a mill was so important. It was a thing that he left us with, the communion mill, so that we would understand what his body looked like, what, what he did, what he did for us so that we would remember it. And when we, when we do that, you know, we, we bring the cup and the bread. 
representing the blood and the body of Jesus. Now, if I said to you, hey, we're going to have communion today, and we're going we're gonna to let you pick um, whatever kind of bread you want, but the bread of choice today is donuts. You know, the donuts like over at Long's, like the double chocolate with the icing on top and the glaze, and right, the evil bread. And we said, here it is. And then we said, and, and, and instead of using a cup or juice, well, we're going to have milkshakes, and you can pick your flavor. You want chocolate? You want strawberry? You want vanilla? You would say, Pastor Tony, you're out of your mind. That's not an accurate representation of Jesus and his body and his blood. That's a misrepresentation. Wouldn't you say that? You'd think, well, this is some crazy illustration. What's he doing? I think you have a little trust for a moment. But then when I actually said, uh, ushers, deliver these to all the people, and you had your milkshake and your donut sitting there, you'd think, this doesn't seem like what Jesus said. Because it's not, it's not an accurate, it's not a true uh, representation of what Jesus said to do. Let me help you. That we don't need to offer as the kingdom of God to this world, milkshake and donut Christianity. Nothing wrong with a good milkshake, amen? Might be something wrong with a donut, but I'm just saying, I'm just, but, but understand this, that we've got to accurately represent his kingdom to this world. And, and that means this, that it's a, it's a continued path of development and growth for us all. And so, as I move into this, understand, first of all, that he's talking about the kingdom, and understand this, that the church, not that man created, not that man is formed, but the church that Jesus gave to us, the church that we're a part of, that's the visible expression, representation of his kingdom. And here's what he says here. He wants his house full. If you're taking notes, you might jot that down. He wants his house full. Yes, and amen to that, right? You read this, you can't help but see this. It's not, by the way, it's not difficult to understand this. Um, so, so understand this, the God of the universe who spoke all of this into existence sent his only son to be born on this planet to live, to take on skin like a man, to experience all the stuff we experience, the hurt, the pain, the tears, the hunger, the thirst, all the stuff on this earth to die. Not just, not just an easy death, but a horrible death. Hung on a cross. That he, did, he didn't do all of that so that he would have a few that would join him throughout eternity. He just didn't. In fact, uh, John, in the book of Revelation, when he looks out and he sees all those before the throne, he says it like this, that it's a number that no man can number. It's innumerable, the amount of people gathered before the throne of God. And by the way, I think God's way more interested in getting people to spend eternity with him than keeping people out. I'm just saying, sometimes, sometimes religion messes that up and tries to push you down and push you out. God's saying, I'm sending my son so you can come spend time with me. That's how much, that's how much I've invested in this, in this invitation to get you to be with me in my house, in my kingdom, is, is that I'll give my only son. And by the way, none of you in this house would give your kid for anybody. Are you with me? We wouldn't do it. But God loved you so much that he'd give his only son. I'm telling you, he wants you with him for eternity. 
And so, so he, and I believe this, he wants his house full. And, you know, of all the people that have ever lived and all the people that are alive and, and maybe those that will live and, and, and be here before the coming of the Lord, I don't know, 12, 15 million. Maybe it will get to 18, I'm sorry, not million, but billion. I don't know how, how many it will get. They say that there's a, the amount of people alive on planet Earth right now is about equal to all the people that have ever lived since, since, since day one. And so, so there's 7 billion plus on the planet, so you got 14, 15 billion, and, and we're moving closer. You guys know that, don't you? you? You know Jesus is coming. Do we know Jesus is coming? He's coming back. And yeah, and I don't know if we got it. I don't know if there's another billion or another three billion or whatever it is, but but I'm just saying this that of all those people, there's gonna be a representation, his kingdom, that's gonna spend eternity with him. And Jesus represents this by by his 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 desire to have his house full because of Jesus spent time dining with people. He's at the wedding, he's at the banquet, he's at the supper. You know, in, in the final chapter of John's gospel, he's He's gathered his disciples together there, and he's preparing breakfast for them. It'd be a cold day. Jesus shows up at your house. Hey, good morning. Got the coffee on. He'd probably do something a little more American than the fish, right? I'm just saying. He's prepared. Why? Because he values them. I mean, Peter's messed up, and he's still reaching out to Peter. Let me tell you something. The call is always higher than the fall. You need to hear that. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. The call of God on your life to come close to him is always higher than the fall that you've been involved in. Here's what the word says. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That God's desire is full house. And, and as I read here, well, he wants an invitation extended. He wants an invitation extended. Guy invites, excuse after excuse, invites the hurting. They show up. Then, then, the, then the message here is just invite whoever. It's not difficult to see throughout Scripture God's heart for people. When, G, when Jesus is calling those who will be the closest to him in life and ministry, when he's calling them, here's what he calls them to. Come, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Well, they knew how to fish, not fish like we do, a little different. They knew how to fish. They knew how to throw the net and draw the fish in. And now he's saying, this is something you could never do, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you, give you the ability to throw the net and draw people back to me. He wants an invitation extended. Not, not, not getting a, a bait, some bait or a lure and casting in the water and drawing and hoping that you're waiting and waiting until you catch something. Hopeful that whatever you tricked them into, the fish, and deceive them with, that they'll, they'll bite and come in. No. He said, I want to I teach you how to throw out the net and draw people back to me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. thought about, my, my dad, uh, he uh, grew up in a place called Hazard, Kentucky, and he came, came here when he was 13, hitchhiked, and a bunch of story, and I can't get into all of it, but, but I remember it was just an invite, just a simple invite that was extended. My sister was born, her legs were crooked, and some of you have heard the story, 
not a lot of hope for her walking and having a normal kind of life. And so somebody invited him on a Sunday night. That's when churches had Sunday morning and Sunday night church, a lot of them. And so he wouldn't have went a week before that, a month before it, a year before it, five years before it. Well, church was irrelevant. What does it mean to go to church? In fact, he didn't have any church upbringing or background. He wouldn't have known the difference between a Pentecostal church and a Presbyterian, maybe until he got inside. He just wouldn't have known. No church background. They, they were, seemed like outlaws, moonshiners, lived in a dry county. They either ran liquor or made liquor and distributed, and it was violent kind of life and horrible kind of life. And so my dad ends up here and gets the invitation to bring the newborn daughter to church on Sunday night because they'll pray. And in the praying, maybe God will do something. Because of his great need, he said yes. It's a simple invitation. Come, they'll pray for your, they'll pray for your little girl so that she can, maybe, and maybe God will heal her, something like that. So we went. We went. Now, God didn't seem like anything happened that night. Three days later, her legs are perfectly straight. She never had a problem walking after that. Because God can do the impossible. How many know that? God can step in your world where you don't see an answer and he can bring an answer. But, but now, I just want you to understand this. Because God did that, he said, I need to go back there. Now, from that simple invite, his life and eternity was changed. It was like this is a direction, and all of a sudden, an invite, he makes a step, and then boom, now he's going this way. I'm standing here. There's many impacted by that simple invite that had a ripple effect. And I'm just saying this, that, that these folks that are invited here, well, if we understand that it could be kingdom life that you're inviting people into, well, it changes things altogether for them. And so I said, I'm about halfway through my message. I said that to, to just help us to get to this place that, that not next Sunday, but the next Sunday, August the 7th, we, we do an annual thing. We've moved it up a whole month this year because people have school in July now, right? People get back into rhythms and all kinds of stuff. And, and so we're having Friends Day. Everybody say Friends Day. Now, now, just so you know, you can invite your friends any Sunday of the year. You can even, people have even brought them the first Wednesday. That's cool. You can do it. You can invite friends. We hope you invite friends. We hope you invite people anytime. But we set up this day to kind of help you, to say, hey, here's a day where you can make a simple invite. And what we know is people might come. Well, here's what I say. People will come because we've watched this over the years. People come, and many times they have life transformation. Again, the direction they were going, it's drastically changed. They go in a different direction. There's people sitting in this room right now that received a simple invitation to come on a friend's day, and now they're here in their life. They're involved. Their life has been changed by a simple invite. And, and what I would say is that and maybe you've never invited anyone to anything. You probably have. You know, if, if Tina Turner was in town and somebody gave me six tickets, I'd invite one of you to go with me. I'm kidding, I'm not going to Tina Turner because nobody gave me tickets. She's probably not even singing anymore, I don't know. If somebody gave me like 350 Colts tickets and the game started like at 4 o'clock instead of like 1 o'clock, then I'd say, hey, we're all going to the Colts game and you'd be invited. You can give me an excuse if you want, but, but I'll be honest, we like to invite people to good things. We just do. We do. 
Yeah. You're probably not inviting anybody to go to Taco Bell. But, but if, if, if you could and had the ability to go to Ruth Chris, you might invite somebody and say, hey, I'm going. So I'm just going to say this, that Friends Day is an opportunity for a big day for you to invite somebody to come alongside of you. And we're going to give you some cards. They're going to bring those right now. Just a simple, it's a tool. And, and by the way, let, let me help you. It's okay for you to lead them to Jesus. You can even baptize them before you bring them. Pray for them. You should be pray for, praying for them already before you ever extend an invite. But I'm going to give you a tool. First tool is we're having a day. We're having a day where you can invite a friend. Second thing is give me a card so you have a reminder. And here's the way this works. Don't go like this with the card and say, will you come to church with me? That weirds people out. Put the card in your pocket somewhere, okay? Carry the card with you. Have it with you. Here's what you do. Now watch this. Find somebody close to you. Now they may have an excuse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever asked somebody close to you and they have an excuse? They may have an excuse. Don't let the excuse discourage you because it's not about the excuse. It's about what God might do in their life. Now, now here's, what, here's what you do. It's somebody close to you that you feel comfortable saying this. You say this. I'll, I'll give you the verbiage. It works. Sunday, August 7th, we're having Friends Day at Elevation Church. And because you're my friend, I'd like to invite you to come and sit next to me. Everybody's going to have their friends, and I want you to be with me. And then when they say, yeah, I'll do that. And maybe you need to tell them, hey, you know, maybe it is Taco Bell after. I don't know. White Castle, it don't matter to me wherever you go. But maybe it is then that you say, hey, I've got a card that I can give you that have the time on it. Well, that wasn't weird to do. I'm just, I didn't say repent and be baptized right in the moment, right? I didn't go old John the Baptist on him. Maybe another situation would call for that, but I'm just saying that it was, it was easy. Represent well, it's easy. Now, now, it could be that that person you invite, maybe you don't even know, but maybe they have a great need going on in their life. And when they show up, maybe it's, maybe it's not a daughter with bent legs. Maybe, maybe they got a financial thing. Maybe marriage. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a, a lost job business in trouble, whatever, you invite them and they come here and all of a sudden they experience the presence of Jesus and they hear the word and they hear a gospel that they've never heard, that there's, that there's a God who loves them and cares about them enough that he gives his only son and all of a sudden they're stepping into a place they've never been and they're experiencing something that is, that is transformative and life-changing. And not, now it wasn't just a simple invite to be your friend. Now it is a whole new life and eternity. I'm telling you, that's powerful. And I've seen that play out over and over and over again where people's lives are transformed simply over an invite, just an invitation. I say this, I think everybody ought to show up on that day. This really isn't a church growth strategy. I know that everybody won't come back. It's not about that. It's about people hearing the gospel. It is about maybe people plugging in. Maybe they'll jump in a group and they're going to they're gonna spend, you know, two months in a group with people and they're going to grow and they're going to have some community around them to walk with them. I'm just saying this, that you may underestimate the power of an invite. I don't think that Jesus would have illustrated for us the beauty and power of an invite if it wasn't important. Here's what, here's what the Lord knows, this. He knows if you do, people will come. People will come. 
I could, I could, I could give you the picture of a couple, Austin and Caressa, 34 years old, married for a number of years. They got two kids. He's working to get a promotion, so he's putting in a lot of hours trying to get noticed so they'll get him because he's gotten a lot of debt and he needs to make a little more money. Caressa stays home with the kids and she's doing the laundry and, and all the stuff and, and she's got a part-time gig and she's trying to contribute that way. Kids are playing soccer, so when, when he is home, he's got to run the kids back and forth to soccer and, and one of them's in dance and trying to keep up with his lawn because his neighbor is like, ferociously manicuring their lawn. Because you know how it is. If they didn't, you could just not, right? Playing. And he's at wit's end. A little tension in their marriage because of all that's going on. He started stopping off on the way home to get a drink because just the, the, the stress and all the stuff. And now it's become an every night thing. And things are just falling apart. Now, you may not realize that about them because they put on the game face. They're smiling. They're waving. They got the nice car. They got the nice house. Everything looks put together. But they have great need in their life. And their need isn't more money or more promotion or, 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 or better stuff. Their need is Jesus. Now, I'm telling you, if you run up and say your need is Jesus, well, you may freak them out. But if you meet them at this place and say, would you just come on Friends Day with me? It may be. You say, Pastor Tony, is all that stuff going to get solved in one Sunday? Well, God does the impossible, but, but maybe not. Sometimes God will change you and your world comes along later. Are you with me? Some God, sometimes God will change you in the midst of the storm and the storm will slow down later. But right now you need to have a different different outlook and perception on what it looks like to walk this out. And I'm just saying if you reach out to somebody, here's what I know. It may not be Austin. It may not be Caressa. It may be a James. It may be a John. It may be a Mary. It may be, may be a Sarah. I don't know who it is in your life, but there's some people in your life that desperately need change. And what it means is for you to, to have the courage and the wherewithal. And, you know, sometimes... I'm a, I'm a list person. I make lists. I put names on lists. That's how I remember to pray for people. Sometimes it's writing names down, you know. My friend John, my cousin Elmer, I don't know. My cousin Matilda, I don't know what their names are. The guy at the cash register at the Speedway gas station on County Line and 31. You may not even know their name. The kid that keeps riding their bike through, their, through your yard. And messing up stuff that you reach out. Maybe that kid just got stopped out from his back, bike one day and say, hey, scare him a little bit and say, I want to invite you to church. I don't know. I don't know. The kid riding through my yard. It's okay, though. I love him. I'm just saying this. There's somebody in your life that is in desperate need and you may not even realize it. Maybe you do. Maybe as I'm talking, somebody's came to mind already. But I'm just saying this. You need to make the invite because you know people that nobody else in here knows. You know people that none of us have influence with. And God's specifically, uniquely put you in their life to reach out to them.
Lastly, he wants you to be a bringer. Everybody say bringer. Yeah. We don't use that word a lot. And it may just be a made-up word. I don't know. It sounded like it fit for this. Because there's this word he uses when, when he sends, sends him back out. When, when the house is not full and they've invited everyone in, he sends him back out. And the word he uses is compel them to come. Compel them to come. Well, it's hard to force people to come, isn't it? I mean, the church has tried that in the past where they've, you know, kind of tried to convert people under force. So that's not a good thing. That's not a good representation of the kingdom, right? I, I want to define it this way. You're taking notes. Jot this down. Compel means this, that you invite them in such a way that they would come. That you invite them in such a way that they would come. Inviting is not enough. Pray for them, but praying is not enough. The God of the universe actually wants you to show up with people for eternity. Because you're not going to take anything else out of this life. You say, well, I got a good forerunner. That's cool. Enjoy it. You're not taking it to heaven with you. You know, U-Hauls on the back of a hearse. You're not taking any stuff. You say, well, I got great wealth. Praise God. Enjoy that. But you're not taking it with you. Not one dime is ever left here to go to heaven. They don't need it there. In heaven, you're going to walk on the stuff that we treasure here. It's a street made out of gold. Stuff that we glorify here, we're going to walk. It's going to be under our feet there. The thing, the one thing that can go with you into eternity, into heaven, is people. Everybody say people. And I'm telling you, I want to show up before the Lord with just a whole bunch. I want to show up as many as I can. Anybody with me? I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, you know, the only thing I'm worried about is that I make it. And I thought, well, that's not the only thing I'm worried about. i got to take somebody with me. I can't just have this to myself and say that this is a good thing. I need to share it. We were together on, give me water. We were together on Friday night. Thank you. my voice out this weekend. We were in a restaurant yesterday for lunch. Came at about 2 o'clock. We'd been here through the morning. Walked in. and We'd eaten. Walking out. And this young girl, I don't know, 25, 30. I don't know. Could have been younger. I don't know. She looked at me and kind of nodded her head like we knew each other. And I thought, well, she does look familiar. But then I don't be weird, so I kind of turned my head off. And we got closer, and I looked over, and she looked at me again, smiled. And I said, hey, I don't have a clue. I just don't have a clue. And I'm kind of hoping the Holy Spirit gives me, like, what, what, what's this all about? And Kim's here with me, and I turned around and said, hey. She said, it's been a long time. And I thought, oh, I know this person. I'm usually pretty good with this, but I just could not figure it out. So I didn't know what to do. So I said, I can't remember where we know each other from. And she said, Skyline. 
Skyline Chili. I'm like, I don't hardly ever go there at all. But used to, like 10 years ago, five years, I don't know how long ago, I'd go there every Tuesday. It was all you could eat, Skyline Chili. By the way, you can't eat that much, and they know it. And she was a waitress there, and she happened to remember me. And when she said that, I put it all together, Alicia. I said, Alicia, how you doing? Da, da, da. And she said, she said, this is my husband. Her husband's name's Dom. And so I'm sitting, standing there talking a little bit. And, uh, you know, you know when you're an intrusion or when you're welcome. And I felt like, okay, they, they're cool with me talking a little bit. And I got to this point, I thought, well, this just feels right. I said, hey. Because I said, I said, I've invited her before. And she never could come. And I said, Alicia, you guys ought to come to church sometime. I said, I said we're having a Friends Day on August the 7th. I need a friend. And she said, where do you go to church? I said, I go to Elevation Church. And something, I don't know, we said something about the music. She said, do you, do you sing? Something like that. I said, eh, no. And she's fishing around for how am I saying. So I said, I don't usually lead with this, but I said, I'm the, I'm the pastor. She said, oh. And uh, I said, yeah. I said, I really need a friend to be with me because I need to practice what I preach. I'm asking everybody to invite their friends. I said, it'd be great if you two come. And they got uh, some paper, and they wrote down, because I didn't have a card. Have a card with you, okay? Have a card with you. I got to do that, too. And I said, it's August 7th. She works at 11. I said, well, you can come to the 9, and I'll make sure you're out in time to get to work. So you guys, on August 7th, make sure I get out in time. I hope you weigh me down. If I'm barreling through, and it's like 11.15, somebody come stop me. But they said, you're going to come. Now, what I'm going to do is, now this is a compel, you got to be compelling about it. I'm going to go back to Skyline. I'm, I'm going to be like the crack, the, 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 the crack user that's, that's got free going back into the crack house, okay? I'm going to go back in there with that chili, and I'm going to take a card and say, hey, Alicia, just wanted to bring the card back. And every day I'm praying. Now, I don't know what God's going to do. They didn't give me an excuse. I'm hoping they show up. And I'm just going to tell you that God's going to bring some people across your path. And it's going to be an opportunity for you just to share and say, won't you join me on Friends Day? It won't be exactly like what I just did there. I thought about how that it said it when we prayed earlier. There's a... And, and I'll say this. I'm thankful that the young 22-year-old guy that stopped the shooter at the mall was able to do that and their lives were spared. I'm never happy about somebody dying or their life taken for any of those that died, but people were spared. And, and I do think we prayed Father's Day at the park. We spoke Jesus over this community. And uh, I like to think that the prayers that went up, up around this community from people of faith made a difference. And it wasn't as massive as it could have been, as heartbreaking as it is. Continue to pray for them. But but I thought, as I processed some of this, I thought about the 20-year-old that would walk from Polo Run over to the mall. I know the distance. He would walk over there with a backpack with stuff in it, and he's thought about what he's going to do. And I thought, well, what, what if somebody, what if somebody before that ever took place could have got to him and said, hey, won't you, won't you come with me? Won't you be my friend on Friends Day? Won't you come and join me? 
If, so, if somebody that, that knew God could have stepped into his life, and I don't know all the, there's a lot of inter, integral parts of this that we don't know, but if somebody could have just stepped in and avoided the evil that happened and pointed him to Jesus, what a difference that would have made. Are you with me? I said to guilt anybody. I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm saying this, that there's people in your life that maybe would never do anything like that, but they're headed down a dark pathway and they need Jesus. And just to reach out and make a simple invitation. By the way, that invitation may open up to an opportunity for you to share your story of what Jesus has done in your life. May, may open up an opportunity for you to, to share your story and then extend an invitation not just to come to church on Sunday, but to Jesus himself. Are you with me? So it's going to take some courage. It's going to take some people that's just willing to step out to open your mouth and let the Holy Spirit work. But I'm just telling you this. It could produce, this can produce an incredible result.